Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Parents at Work podcast, a podcast for parents who want to succeed at work while also raising their children. My name is Lori Mahalik-Levin, and it is a Monday. It really feels like a Monday when we're recording this. Our children woke up and decided that they just wanted to scream at each other all morning, and that was a great way to start the day. And then Jason had some dental work done, so half of his mouth was numb <laughs> up until like the past like 30 minutes. So we'll see how this goes today, but we're really, really excited for our podcast episode today. Um, I'm a healthcare lawyer. I'm the founder of a program called Mindful Return that helps employers to retain their new parent top talent. And I'm mom to two wonderful redheaded boys who are ages nine and 11 at this point. I'm joined today by my co-host and amazing mouth-numbed husband, Jason Levin. Jason, welcome. Thank you, Lori. An amazing wife. And hopefully I'll be able to be talking in full sentences throughout this podcast. So welcome, everyone. I am the founder of Ready, Set, Launch, LLC, where I'm a speaker, trainer, and coach. I advise executives on how to grow their professional services practice and make intentional career transitions. My debut book, Relationships to Infinity, The Art and Science of Keeping in Touch, is now available on Amazon and wherever you find books online. So in this episode, we're going to be picking up on our tradition of interviewing moms and dads in different industries and sectors. And if you heard our last episode, it was moms in executive search. And today we've got dads in executive search. So we know that this is a fairly narrow niche here, but um, we think it's a really important one to focus on. Jason, tell us who we've got. Absolutely. We have the dynamic, the fantastic Julian Hart. And I know Julian, and he's a friend, and he's also a former corporate attorney, venture capitalist, and investment banker. He's been an executive search consultant for over 15 years and is a partner with Hydric and Struggles based in Washington, D.C. Julian is a member of the firm's CEO and board practice and leads their global government affairs and trade association work. He also co-leads the firm's professional of color employee resource group. Julian has been married to his wife, Annette, for almost 20 years, and they have two teenage boys and a daughter who's 10 going on 17. Mm, We know that age, Julian. Welcome. Glad you're here. Delighted to be here. Thank you so much, Lori. Thank you so much, Jason. Wonderful. Also joining us today is Patrick Gray, Patrick is a former U.S. Army intelligence officer, and he's been an executive search consultant for almost 20 years. He established the D.C. area office in the aerospace and defense practice at Reigns International, and he leads the industrial practice at Reigns. Reigns is an executive search and leadership advisory firm with nine offices. Patrick has been married to his wife, Megan, for 24 years, and they've got four children, Aiden, who's 21, Colin, who's 18, Rylan, who's 15, and Tristan, who's 13. Welcome, Patrick. We're so happy you're here with us today. Thank you. This is such an important topic, and thank you for including me and looking forward to it. Of course, of course. Okay, so Patrick, let's start off with you, and then we'll go over to Julian. Please tell us, if you will, a little bit about your own personal working parent story. Sure. My working parent story really started in graduate school after I left the Army. That was when we had our first, we had one child in the Army, but he was very young. So that's when we really started as a dual working family with me going to graduate school full time and my wife working not just to support us full time, but working as well full time. So it started with one child. A few years later, it became two. And that's when I got into executive search at Corn Ferry. But uh, as you just mentioned earlier, I've had four children. So we continue to add children about every three years up until we had four in 2008. And so, as you can imagine, with a dual working family, with me and executive search, with um, high travel demands, a lot of it 
of the day-to-day fell on my wife. But I think, you know, what I can say about executive search in particular, even pre kind of virtual working like we have today post-pandemic or during the pandemic is that executive search does have a certain amount of flexibility and other things that you can leverage in order to not be, you know, kind of an absent father. You can be there for important moments in your children's lives. But I will say it wasn't easy. And certainly there were, you know, a lot of sacrifices along the way. Yeah, you've got a lot of moving pieces there. And I also just want to note that you have a real diversity of experience in terms of, I guess, welcoming children into your family while you were in different environments, right? I imagine it's different going through that parental leave return period when you're in the army versus grad school versus being in executive search. So I look forward to exploring all of those different uh, paths. <laughs> I'll later. just say this quickly. Parental leave didn't exist back then. But not for a parent, not for yes. fathers. Anyway, but, uh, <laughs> there yes. you go. And fortunately, that, that is changing and the cultures you know, are yep. changing there. And, and what I like about Patrick's experience, and this is something that Patrick and I share, uh, we're both MBAs from Georgetown. So, sure. uh, so Patrick, were you in the car barn? Wall, were you like yes. uh, there was a build? There's a building uh, on Georgetown's campus. It's called the Car Barn, where there's no windows. So um, yes, no. When I was there, that's where the business school was. That's where I right. spent two years right. of my life. Amazing. So going through that, and then also being a parent, that's got to be a lot to juggle. So okay, over you, Julian. What is your working parent story? Sure. Um, again, thank you for for having both of us on this show. My Working parent stories started when I met my wife, Annette, when we were both working overseas in London. This is the dating myself, the early 2000s. We actually married in the UK and had our first child there. And that was, frankly, the catalyst to think about, well, where did we want to adult and raise a family and put down roots and educate our kids, et cetera, et cetera. So we made the decision to come here to the Northern Virginia area because we wanted to give our child at the time and hopefully future kids, a great American suburban experience. Uh, I'm from New York City originally, did not grow up with with the uh, sort of the space and the, sort of the conditions that, that our, our kids are fortunate enough, I think, to have. But we want to give that to, to our uh, to our clan. So we moved here in the uh, sort of uh, mid 2000s. And that's when I entered search. As you noted, now we have three kids and also very importantly, a, a dog, a rescue dog, Blake, uh, that we joined us uh, right before the pandemic. So we're, we're a busy household. It's a chaotic household. In fact, this morning, the, the first item was uh, as a household CTO. Um, I had to sort of uh, solve something for our oldest son. But there you go. And, you know, in terms of how it relates to executive search, I think, as Patrick pointed out, one reason I decided to pursue this profession is that I was hoping that it would order uh, offer some flexibility, which it does to some extent, and which I greatly appreciate because that allows me to do my second job, which I'll get into later, which is uh, the Uber driver for um, our three kids and their various activities. I totally understand the Uber driver uh, thing, Julian. In addition to the flexibility that you and Patrick both mentioned, that definitely came up in the mom episode too. Can you tell us any more about what it's like to be a parent in executive search these days? Any sure, other characteristics I, about it? Yeah, I, I think, look, I think as, as Patrick also alluded to, I mean, the, the, the working dad piece is is not always talked about. And I think that's why I'm particularly excited to, have you guys convene this discussion. Many dads these days, including myself, like to be involved, very involved, and, you know, sort of uh, be an equal partner in, in raising kids. 
One unique thing about our setup, which may, may be a little bit specific to us, is we, we homeschool our three children. And by we, I should really say it's my wife and then who does all the heavy lifting, the coordinating, the managing, the nurturing. Again, one reason I've decided to stick with Surge for 15 years, and as Jason alluded to, I have done other things. This is my fifth profession. I, I just didn't see the flexibility in terms of law or banking or some of these other professions that would allow me to personally have been involved and, and available to some extent. Again, I don't want to create, unfortunately, the impression that you know, search is, is uh, it's not a 24-7 business. It is uh, in many ways, but we can at least uh, schedule things a little bit within those 24-7 windows that allow us to do some of the pickups and the drop-offs mm-hmm. and the recitals and the involvement in some of the kids' activities that, again, I think many working dads really do want to be part of these days. Absolutely. And thank you for highlighting that issue of, you know, working dad uh, issues just not getting covered as much as maybe working mom issues. You hear working mom as a phrase, right? You don't hear working dad all that often. And I really love the idea of normalizing both of those terms. Back over to you, Patrick. Is there anything other than the flexibility that you would like to point to in terms of what it's like to be a parent in executive search? I would not double down on the flexibility thing, but I will also date myself a little bit. And obviously, up front, you mentioned I've been in this business for 20 years, is that the technology that's evolved over those 20 years has you know, changed and enabled a lot of that flexibility. And a lot of it, we've seen both go warp speed, most recently during the pandemic, but I'll even go back to things like the introduction of the BlackBerry, you know, some of the online social media tools. You know, all of these things have allowed the the job, how we execute the job day-to-day of executive search to be uh, done more efficiently and effectively. And obviously not all of it having to be done in front of a desk or in an office with a landline telephone and and a, and a desktop computer. So, um, so I would say that, you know, technology has changed everybody's lives over that time, but it's certainly had a huge impact, you know, on the executive search business. And the other thing that I would comment on is that, and Julian alluded to this, although it's, you know, there is flexibility, but it also is that 24 seven job. So I will say, you know, even when you're on vacation, you know, you're not on vacation. There are certain, depending on what your role is, and I've worked my way up from the bottom, you know, there are certain things during a search that have to really be done by certain people. And, and certainly as, as partners at the partner level where Julian and I are, you know, there are times where we just have to be involved and then that may take place on a vacation, but you have to take the good with the bad and, and just realize that, hey, I may have to step out and do some things while on vacation for part of a day, but I also have the flexibility to, you know, go to their, you know, soccer games and practices. So you have to, you have to keep a, you know, a full view of, of all the benefits of, of um, all the flexibility and lack of flexibility that occurs in the business. Sure. And being flexible with your flexibility is really important. Over to you, Jason. Yeah, I love how both Patrick and Julian are talking about their involvement as working fathers. It's really great to hear and that you've uh, both found the uh, understanding that you're in a professional service and that you're able to uh, work when uh, the client needs you and at the same time uh, be involved with uh, the activities of your kids. You've become parents at different ages and stages you know, within your own careers. I'm curious, uh, we'll start with Julian. What workplace supports did you find particularly helpful as you became a working parent? Sure, sure. Um, look, I, I think without question, in my mind, you know, having supportive colleagues and team members, first off, right? I am fortunate, I think, to be part of a firm that is 
conscious, very conscious about being collaborative and supportive of each other, especially proud of how I think we came together during the last two years, really, you know, try to wrap our arms around each other and, and support each other because, again, it, it's, it's still trying times. I, I don't mean to imply that this is over yet, but, you know, certainly this time last year or two years ago, uh, it, it was scary. And I think uh, the firm, you know, really stepped up and, and, um, you know, I have to give kudos where, where kudos is deserved. You know, some specific examples. You know, I know we we rolled out a sort of global employee assistance program that that provided confidential parenting support for childcare and helping with you know financial concerns, legal matters, work life balance, sort of advice. On a more tactical level, we we've also had a Slack channel and, and for Hydric parents, right? That's really dedicated to all things parenting. Uh, we can openly share tips and resources, ask for advice, chat with other parents, working parents, you know, in a sort of a safe space and a humorous space, because, you know, how else are we going to get through this together? Uh, so I just think having some of those outlets where we can connect with with our colleagues and find support through that has been a, has been a really important support mechanism. That's great how you're talking about your community. Patrick, what's been your experience? Yeah, I would say, you know, when my children, when I was still in the process of, of we were adding children, and certainly <laughs> when they were young, you know, there wasn't a lot uh, of what I would call parent, you know, work-life kind of parent-specific programs. I, I would start where Julian started is I just happened to have a great office environment with a boss that was, had also been a working dad in search previously. We had a good relationship. And so it really came down to the local leadership just being supportive and understanding, still holding us to you know the job responsibilities that we had to perform. But, but certainly those leaders that I worked for were supportive. That I would say, especially when you're early on in your career and, and economically, you're maybe not you know making as much as you do later. I mean, there's a lot of benefits out there that can be very helpful, and, and things like HSAs and uh, other spending, you know, flexible spending accounts. Whether you know those are all helpful to a family, either a family that's you know just starting their career with young children, it could be you know childcare expense help, you know, all those things. There were elements of that in in many of the companies I I worked for, and you know maybe we'll get into this a little later. We can talk about how that's evolved and some of the things that I see today with those younger people in our company that are just starting out having families are things like paternity leave. You know, it's obviously called uh, parental leave, but, you know, we encourage and have instituted those types of things that just weren't around even 10 or 15 years ago. Or if they were around, you know, there's a quote unquote kind of, I don't want to say shaming, but you just didn't, you know, as a, as a man, you just had to take those things back then. But certainly the kind of shaming around that or just the, you know, the taking those without feeling like you're not holding up your responsibilities, the conversation around that has changed today. You know, Patrick, it has changed and in many places it still hasn't, I've noticed. Um, I'm just curious, I guess I want to hear from both of you as to what you think an ind individual can do, um, both as an employee, as a manager, and also what employers can do to help normalize taking that parental leave. Worked at a law firm where we did a study of who, you know, what percentage of dads were taking parental leave versus moms taking parental leave. And it was dramatically and starkly different um, between the moms and the dads. So just curious if you've seen any success in helping to normalize those conversations and what you think might help move the needle, recognizing that this is a hard problem. I get that you can't solve this overnight. Number one is as a leader, we should not only 
first of all, we should offer it. Second of all, we should make sure people, you know, people feel uncomfortable taking it, not uncomfortable, comfortable, and not just tell them, hey, you know, you have this, but um, follow up with them. And if if, uh, if a person does have a child, you know, we should reach out to them and, and encourage them to take some time. And then, you know, as a leader, it's not do as I say, not as I do. You know, our CEO, um, he's a little bit younger than than I am. He's like 39 or 40. He and his wife just had their first baby after years of trying, and he took paternity leave. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that takes a lot of the quote unquote uh, shame out of it in the sense that, you know, hey, if your CEO's doing it, if it's good enough for him, he's not just saying, yeah. hey, you should do it. He says, I did it myself. Now, you know, as a CEO, there's only still working behind the scenes, but he took the time off. He did take a significant portion of his days off without working. And then we, as his direct reports, you know, certainly tried to serve as a buffer as much as possible. So they did, he didn't look like he was on paternity leave, but not on paternity leave. So I think as leaders, we have to, we have to set the example. Yeah, I love that. And there is research that shows that when a leader within an organization takes leave or someone, you know, above your level, that it trickles down and a much larger percentage of people then who follow that person do actually take their leave. Julian, any thoughts on normalizing paternity leave? Again, I agree with Patrick has said, I think leading by example. And, and I, so in the years that I've been with Hydric, again, when I joined, we, we didn't have, I think, paternity leave. And I wish we had because we had two children while I was with Hydric, our middle son and our daughter. But we do now have it. And I do see our male colleagues, new dads, taking it, which is great. And it does set an example and reinforces that this is not just something that we dangle out there and it's ethereal, and, but, but rather tangible. And people should and do take it. Just maybe another nuance specific to our industry, which is we try to provide the, the scaffolding, if you will, to allow and provide sort of ease of mind for colleagues to be able to take it in the sense that the way we staff our searches, we generally have, you know, two partners on it or there's redundancy so that if someone knows that they're going to be taking some time off, they know that they they won't be leaving anyone in the lurch, their clients will be okay, and that they'll have, you know, stuff to come back to as well. So the way we try to staff it, the way we try to uh, both, you know, for the benefit of the clients, but also I think to allow for opportunities like paternity leave, that's important as well, because you can have the, the theory out there, but you also have to have the practice and the, the support mechanism to allow people to actually take advantage of benefits such as this. This episode of the Parents at Work podcast is brought to you by Ready, Set, Launch, a boutique career coaching firm that supports executives in career and retirement transitions as well as building their professional services practices. I'm Jason Levin, and I've been supporting executives achieving their goals in the private, public, and nonprofit sectors for the past 10 years. Based on those experiences, I decided to write a book called Relationships to Infinity, The Art and Science of Keeping in Touch. We say keep in touch, but we struggle to do so. I wrote this book so that my readers could have proven research-based tactics to keep in touch and reap all the benefits. I'm excited about this book and I know that you will too. Head over to readysetlaunch.net or connect with me on LinkedIn to learn more about the book. Be happy to learn more about your goals and your organization and how there might be a fit. Again, head over to readysetlaunch.net to get back in touch. Now, back to our episode. 
Yeah, I love the proactiveness that you have in place because that scaffold for allowing them to go on leave really matters in a practical and tangible way. I think also managers can frame conversations to expectant parents around, you know, when are you planning to take your leave rather than posing the question, are you planning to take a leave? And just even the dialogue that we have around this can change in a way that makes it completely normal. And what I like about having Patrick and Julian on is you both have had different evolutions in your own careers and clearly you're both committed to learning and growing. I'm curious, and we'll start with Patrick, what career-related skills do you think parenthood has helped you grow? Well, I mean, number one, I think we all can probably pick if this was family feud would be patience. Um, (laughs) Because what I'll say is, you know, there's, I think there's a, you know, and, and Julian, I mean, we all have older kids now, not babies, you know, we were as young parents were overwhelmed with just keeping them alive and fed and, uh, and all of that. And we think that that's hard, but we're we're still there, Patrick, by the way, we're still there. Sorry. (laughs) No, but my wife and I have this, um, now that I have a kid, you know, who's a kid, an adult, two adult children that are 21 and 18, all the way down to 13. You know, we have a mantra in our house, small kids, small problems, big kids, big problems. It doesn't get easier. The problems get bigger. They get thornier. But, you know, the things you worry about change a lot. And, they're, and the things you worry about are, are much bigger and have more consequences for your children. So patience is number one. The other one is just empathy. My wife will tell you I'm not naturally I'm a very empathetic person. I think as a search, I think as a search consultant, it's an important quality to have. And I think you know, being a parent has made me a more empathetic person over the years and not just with my children, my family, but but on the job as well. So, I mean, those are the two things that I think are important in any in any executive search that you that you've ever accomplished. I'm sure, Julian, you can attest to that. But patience and empathy is what I'd say. I was just going to piggyback and say, look, I, I patience is definitely up there. I I would add maybe, you know, sort of time management skills and adaptability, right? (laughs) I think like parenting, the world of executive search is highly unpredictable. Uh, Schedules change, priorities shift, urgent meetings, calls need to be taken, you know, with your family, accidents happen. And so, you know, what what, what requires more on-the-fly adaptability than parenting, right? And, And client management. So I think being in this profession where you have analogous situations and and client matters and urgency, that has certainly helped me sharpen my saw when being a parent and hopefully some of the things I've learned to try to be more of, i.e. patience and and empathy have have allowed me to be a better executive search consultant. You were uh, talking uh, before we started recording about your own adaptability as an Uber driver. Uh, Remind me again what was actually happening. (laughs) First of all, I should just say I never get five star ratings from any of my kids. <laughs> I, 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 I try, but you know, I just never get there. But yes, because as I mentioned, we uh, we homeschool our kids. The, the irony is they're actually outside the home more than in the home because of the many activities they're all involved in, which is partly why we we have the homeschooling approach. And so all three kids are different ages and therefore have different activities. One's a swimmer, one's a rower, one's a ballet dancer. They're all in different doing different musical instruments and orchestras. And so therefore, a lot of this is just down to scheduling. And again, that's another thing I've, I think I've sort of cross training, right? The day job and the, and the, uh, and the parenting uh, work, just getting schedules right. Every Saturday or Sunday, I sit down with Annette and we literally go through the week's calendar to make sure that there's some 
you know, no child left behind, literally, right? Now, someone's dropping someone off. Someone's got to pick them up at some point. <laughs> and so we don't want to forget anyone. And uh, that's where the Uber gig comes in. And that's why, again, I do appreciate the flexibility that, that our profession does allow for to some extent, where we can schedule things around times that work for everybody and allows me to, you know, sort of uh, pick up my clients and do carpool Ubering at times as well. That's the side hustle, Jason. I think it's a great side hustle. And uh, I think uh, having uh, two in our uh, minivan, I'm constantly uh, getting uh, feedback from our backseat drivers on how I can be improving my approach to driving. So if you if you ever want to drive our boys around, we'll pay them to give you the five star. <laughs> I, I would appreciate that. I would okay, appreciate good. that. You, you can book me on my app. I'll, awesome. Uh, Sounds I'll send good. you a link. Thanks. <laughs> What I like about uh, both Patrick and Julian is that you are both leaders within your firms and you're also working with leaders within very influential uh, companies in, in, in doing the search work that you're doing. Patrick, I want to start with you as a dad and executive search. What do you see your role in shaping the conversation around working parenthood? I certainly think just making it a priority. As, as what we as senior leaders talk about. And so, you know, that to get tactical about it, when you're talking about benefits, you know, oftentimes your senior leaders are older and they may have had children, but their children are older and they may not be as in touch or remember, you know, what it's like to be a younger uh, family just starting out on this, you know, working parent journey. So consciously making sure that if we have conversations around because we're a smaller company than Hydric, and, and you can always find new benefits, Dad, but we're adding new benefits you know, on an annual or even semi-annual basis. So having looking at it through the, end, the lens of what can we add to help working parents is one thing. Number two is, you know, the, I think it is the culture. And we talked about it a little bit earlier, but I like what you said earlier about even the language you use, not, you know, do you plan on taking paternity leave, but when are you taking it? Uh, I'm going to take that one back to my company, as a matter of fact. And then we did talk about it earlier of, you know, we as leaders leading by example, I, I would I would wrap all of those into setting a culture. And Julian earlier talked about things like employee working groups. You know, we have one around um, working parents as well. I think all of that is about setting a culture that shows that the company, it's an extended family. It's not just the employee that comes into work every day that matters. It's their family and support system around them. And they value that and want to provide benefits and support. So obviously, you can get the maximum amount of, um, of value from your employees on a day-to-day basis. So, so it comes down from my aspect of as a senior leader, as someone who you know sits on the leadership committee and, and deals with the CEO, it's, it's got to be an important and intentional part of what you talk about in the, in the culture you're setting. I want to jump in for just a second, Patrick, and thank you for raising the issue of working parent groups within organizations. I love that your company has that. I'm a serial founder of working parent groups myself, uh, both at a trade association and then at a law firm. And I can say that it provided that ability to connect with other working parents in my same organization helped me both personally and professionally, you know, great networking opportunities with the other parents, et cetera. I also was inspired at one point to start a group of the leaders of working parent groups called the Working Parent Group Network. And we have I think about 220 members from different companies and organizations all over the U.S. So I'm going to reach out to you just to make sure that the leaders of your caregiver and working parent groups at Reigns can get tapped into that community if they would like. Great. Sounds great. Awesome. And probably over to you, Julian. Jason, I don't know if you have anything you wanted to say there, but probably same question for Julian. Do you want to repeat it? As a dad in executive search, what do you see your role in shaping the conversation around working parenthood? 
Yeah, look, I, I think, uh, again, completely agree with what Patrick just shared. And, you know, as leaders, it's really our responsibility to be mindful of our colleagues' unique situations. I think that's always been true, but especially true now as the pandemic has largely blurred the lines between work life and home life. When working with colleagues or candidates or clients that are parents, I, I really try to consider that. They might have competing priorities at certain times, and that extends to everyone I work with and we work with, whether they're parents or not, right? Flexibility is just such a must-have these days for a successful and enjoyable work environment. You know, one thing that we're piloting at, at Hydric is a program called Parent University here in the U.S. Uh, with hopes to expand that into other uh, markets in the future. And it's basically a series of webinars where we highlight experts on different topics that provide tools and tips to address adolescent mental health issues, family support mechanisms, things of that nature. So it's really tailored to try to, again, provide more more scaffolding, more support as we all try to figure it out. And I think the, the tone that we're trying to set, I think, is understanding, empathy, flexibility. And those are the things that that I try to try to model and, and also um, exhibit. I love how you're both talking about empathy and flexibility, which is really, really important. You know, Julian, I want to probe a little bit because you had talked about working with clients and working with candidates. You were also talking earlier about the nuances of the executive search industry. What do you think candidates get wrong in working with an executive search professional? And what uh, do you think uh, candidates can do better to work with someone like you? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think your previous guests, Moms in Executive Search, highlighted this one as well, which is just basic understanding of what our business model is, which is we, we don't represent the talent per se, the candidates themselves. Our clients are the companies, the foundations, the trade associations, the firms that hire us to help them with a leadership succession issue, with a search, with a consulting project around human capital. So they're the ones who retain us. And if it's a, it's a search, then you know it's our job to go out and find the right candidates with the right backgrounds to back that into the need. So sometimes candidates may have a initial understanding thinking that they're hiring one of us, Patrick and I, to help them with their careers. And that's not really our job either. In fact, I think I've tried to refer a number of folks to, to you, Jason, because you do great work on the career counseling, executive coaching side. That's really for experts like you to help with. Whereas our job is, again, to match up the right talent with the right need. Now, that, that said, you know, we, we all try to carve out time to do the right thing and to try to be helpful because again, today's candidate will be tomorrow's client will be you know the day after's uh, candidate again, and there's a cycle to it. But candidates will be better served if they take a little bit of time to research who they're targeting for assistance. Just basic stuff, knowing what what Patrick specializes in, what I specialize in. Just as you wouldn't go to a trust an estate's lawyer if you have an M&A issue. <laughs> you don't want to go to to me with necessarily a, a question around consumer products uh, background, right? I just wouldn't be able to be helpful to that person. So given that time is everyone's most valuable commodity, I think just doing some basic research and understanding our industry, how we operate, 
just do right by everybody. What one plug I'll make is, you know, we have an industry association called AESC, which is the Association of Executive Search Consultants. Talent that might be interested in trying to work with an executive search firm, you know, should maybe poke around there and get some understanding of how, how the model works. That might even point them in the right direction. They have lots of webinars to explain this and, and tips on finding new, new opportunities. So just doing some homework as a candidate, I think will just serve everyone better. Yeah, Julian, that's uh, some really great background. And we'll make sure when we push this out to uh, put the uh, website out there with the podcast. Patrick, over to you. I'm curious about your own experience with candidates and anything you'd like to add to what Julian said. Yeah, I mean, what I would say, and, and actually it's it's we kind of do it to ourselves. I would say we have to develop our people better so that our candidates um, and set expectations with our candidates that Julian or I, you know, don't have to be involved with them at every step of the process and help and hold their hand through every step of the process. Now, I know Julian would never do this and certainly I don't, but, you know, there are, I do see a large amount and have seen a large amount of, of peers of, of Julian's and mine where they do give candidates the impression. But, you know, as Julian said, we staff our team, we hire great people, we staff them. And if we're not developing kind of the level down from us to be able to handle tasks that, you know, in, in, in past years might have only been handled by partners, you know, candidates get the impression that, hey, it's got to be Julian, or I have to get a hold of Julian or Patrick. And I think, you know, what candidates, if I was going to put a plug in, candidates need to understand that, you know, Julian or Patrick doesn't have to handle every conversation with. There certainly are probably critical moments in any search or something specific to certain candidates that is best handled by the most experienced person on the team. But if candidates understand that there's a team around every search, and the reason we have that team are for things like redundancy, are for things so like Julian can have flexibility and doesn't have to, you know, be on call 24-7 for every candidate in, on all the searches he's working on. So just understanding that, yeah, you may be talking to someone who's a little bit less experienced than Julian or Patrick, um, doesn't have as many years of experience in executive search, but Obviously, Julian and I wouldn't have put our people in a position to handle those tasks if we didn't have, you know, the trust in them. So just realizing they're working with a team rather than an individual. I love how you, I love how you're talking about the importance of understanding that there is an executive search team and that everybody has a role to play. That's fantastic. Having that team in place, in fact, is necessary, right, to enable yourselves to have some boundaries so that you can have that flexibility. And then it probably helps to grow the, the more junior folks too, right? I mean, they have to pick up more responsibilities along the way. All right, so I've got some rapid fire concluding questions for both of you. And the three questions are one, what is your number one best piece of advice for navigating life as a working parent? Patrick, we'll start with you for these and then we'll go to Julian. Uh, second question is your number one book for navigating life as a working parent? And then three, your number one piece of technology moving on past the BlackBerry you talked about earlier. Sure. So at Reigns, we have a a group of 10, what we call MVPs, missions, kind of values and principles. And so my one piece of advice I'll take from our, our MVPs, which is bounce back quickly. And I'll say specific to the search industry, not just being a working dad, it has high highs and lows, lows, and you often can't predict or even see some of those coming. And so, you, you know, you have to be resilient. You have to bounce back quickly. And if not, it's going to be a difficult uh, career as a parent. 
you know, things happen on the personal life that you need to bounce back from as a parent and things happen on the job that you need to bounce back from. So having that resiliency is kind of the number one thing I would I would give advice to. And, if, and you know, some people are more resilient than others. If, if you're not resilient, I would say go to people who you can see that are resilient and maybe ask them for some advice. Book, I would say the four hour work week. It's not a parenting book. Nor can you work four hours in executive search, four hours a week. <laughs> but if you read that book, there's just a lot of tactics and techniques that you can adopt in your life to be more efficient. And there are things about setting boundaries with customers and, and clients. There are things around using technology to be more efficient at your job. Four-hour work week, if you read that whole book, you're probably going to take away some gems that you can implement in your life that will help you be more efficient at work, um, but also, you know, have that kind of flexibility and work-life balance. And in terms of technology, you know, I would say, and maybe this this will make me sound a little bit like a dinosaur, and the pandemic has certainly, like I said earlier, accelerated this, but be on the lookout for technology that can make your job more efficient. So I don't know if I have one piece other than we've realized over the last couple of years, you don't have to be in the office every day. You know, that wasn't the case with me, you know, growing up in search and, and certainly even pre-pandemic. So use the video collaboration technology to its utmost. You know, use it to go on vacation with your families. And if you have to, if you have to do a little bit of work via video, don't feel shy about it. Number two, use it internally with your team so that, you know, your teams are getting, I'm sure we're all used to it now, but I'm sure there are people out there that are itching to get back in the office and, and have their team sitting, you know, at desks outside of their offices. But, you know, use the technology internally and externally to its advantage. Um, and then the last thing I would say about technology is, Talk to your younger employees. You know, they have tools. They know things that we don't know. They're seeing the new technology that might be the next LinkedIn or the next Zoom that'll help us in executive search be more efficient. So, you know, that's not a specific technology, but identify it by staying close to those next generation employees and even the generation after that, because we get stuck in our ways, but there's always a better, faster, new way to do things. Yeah, Jason's often talking about reverse mentorship opportunities and technology is definitely one where the more seasoned of us uh, who you know are getting the gray hair can turn to the younger folks and say, okay, show me how. I mean, there is one actual tool I'll mention and it's a very simple tool that actually I'm embarrassed I didn't implement it like two years ago. But And it doesn't have to be this specific brand of the tool, but I use this thing called Microsoft. It's, it's called Tasks. It's a tasks list. And you can share that around your team. So, you know, in terms of holding people accountable and, and ensuring we're all on the same sheet of music, I use it for grocery lists with my family, by the way, and I invite my kids to it and, and all that. But, you know, so now I have the tasks that need to be done around certain projects, you know, shared with everybody on my team who's working on that project. And then we can all go in and look at the, pro uh, at the tasks that need to be completed and you click them off when they're done. And so it, it updates real time. And like I said, I use it for the Costco list with my wife. I, I use it for search projects with my team. So that's, that's one particular tool I would, um, I would mention. Awesome. Yeah. Jason and I share something called an any list. It's another app and, you know, just add groceries and items as we think about them. I also recently got hooked on an app called Todoist, which is also a sort of taskless project management uh, sharing option. So lots of great tools out there. Thank you, Patrick. Over to you, Julian. Number one best piece of advice, number one book, and number one piece of technology. Absolutely. You know, just this, this last conversation has got me thinking, you know, Patrick, should, should we be 
like innovating in terms of how we we position searches like should we be doing tiktoks instead of writing position descriptions <laughs> i would yeah that the dinosaur me i'd need a lot of tutoring on that <laughs> you, you i would love to see friend. i would love to see you both in a tiktok send that over i'm all in for the tiktok forget this podcast let's just do this a tiktok format right, for you right, Jason. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> we'll need some education first there you well we'll have to ask our kids right <laughs> Best piece of advice. Look, I, I don't think it's it's anything uh, earth shattering. I just, you know, personally, I was just going to say, I realize that you can't have it all and shouldn't strive for perfection because look, stuff happens. I mean, life happens. Kids get sick. Uh, schedules change. Client schedules change. Candidates have last minute questions. So just that flexibility and trying to let go of the best laid plans. Not that we shouldn't make them, but building that in, and you know, because otherwise one sanity and, and any semblance of work-life balance is going to be impacted. So I, I would just say, maybe I'm just mellowing in my, in my you know, middle age here, but uh, that's just some advice I would maybe offer up. In terms of a book, honestly, I have not had time to read a full book in God knows when, but I do listen to podcasts, including this fine one, of course, but also Wall Street Journal's journal, um, The Economist, The Intelligence, Fiscal Notes, FinTech Beat, you know, I, I subscribe to Blinkist, which, as you may know, is a they provide summaries of, of many books. It's a sort of modern day Cliff Notes. But one resource, you know, I, I will also give a plug for is uh, which a partner of mine, Chicago, actually shared. I found it to be really useful, and it's very apropos to today's uh, topic, which is called Daily Dad. DailyDad.com. They provide a daily short inspirational message for dads. Some of it might be a little sentimental, bordering on cheesy. But there are some really good nuggets, important reminders of what our roles as dads should be. So I'm very glad to uh, to sort of mention that. I'm signing up. I'm totally signing up. Good, good. I'm I'm not paid a commission or anything. I I don't know who's behind it, but uh, I I do get it. You get it in your inbox uh, first thing in the morning. And I always open it up and I you know try to take a little piece away from that. And then tech. Look, I, I'll be honest. For me, it's it's my phone or iPad, which really are my second brains. Some some might say my primary brain at this point. I, I wouldn't be able to hold down the two jobs of search consultant and Uber driver without that, because I'm able to respond to things, review documents, be generally productive in between pickups and and, and other things. Uh, my car is sometimes my office, certainly Monday, Tuesday, and Friday afternoons. And so without these wireless devices, I, I just wouldn't be able to keep up with client and family responsibilities. So I am grateful for that. That said, it, it can be a, a sword and, and, you know, sort of a friend and foe, I guess, sword and shield. And sometimes, you know, I have clients that are in Asia and they are at uh, all hours of, of the day. And, and so we can't really hide behind it either. Uh, because we are available. So it's a balance, but I think some of these wireless devices has been overall uh, a godsend to allow me to sort of balance the two. Awesome. Yeah, with all the benefits comes the need for more boundaries. Thank you, Julian. Thank you, Patrick. We've so enjoyed having you on today. You have been fabulous. Jason, any concluding thoughts on your part? I'm just so happy to spend time with Patrick and Julian. I love this conversation. You really show what it's like to be a compassionate parent and at the same time, someone very involved in your profession. So I I, thank you both. Thank you for having me. Wonderful to have you. And for our next episodes, we're going to go a little off script and not pick a new industry or sector, but rather we're going to be focusing on the subject 
of sharing the division of labor within a household, sharing household responsibilities. We will be joined by some really fantastic guests um, by Eve Rodsky and by Sergio Rosario. We really look forward to those conversations. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with at least one working parent friend and leave us a review on all the places that you listen to podcasts. We would love to hear from you. Signing off for today. Thank you so much. And we'll see you again soon. Thank you. 